You are listening to Hope Pros, a podcast that creates sparks to ignite your story through Christian YA book previews, reviews, and interviews. Wait, that's a lot of views. I'm Tara Ross. And I'm Rebecca Black. We are two readers and writers separated by years, miles, and time zones, but who share a love for God, YA fiction, and inspiring young women to use their passions to foster hope in a sometimes chaotic world. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to this special bonus episode. If you are listening in real time, happy Easter. This bonus episode is a collaborative effort created in light of the global pandemic we are currently faced with. As a member of the Christian Podcast Association, we wanted to come together to create a message of hope for listeners during this time and during Easter weekend. And so began the Hope Collaboration. What will follow is a sampling of some of the amazing hope-filled podcasts available for free through your podcast player. If these messages offer you hope, then write down their show name and check out their other episodes and messages of encouragement. We have also included some suggestions for hope-filled reads across ages in our own segment at the end. Thank you so much for your support in this journey, and please do let us know how we can help and support you and pray for you during this time. Hey guys, this is Jenna Erlinson from the Bridge of the Faithful podcast. This is a mini episode about where I get my hope. I learned that I'm not a huge fan of the ocean while in Hawaii two years ago. While I've traveled to many places in my life, I hadn't really spent much time at an ocean. My husband decided to surprise me by taking me there for our 10th anniversary. He couldn't wait to watch me experience my first time swimming in the beautiful blue waters. Never swimming in an ocean means I never had experienced waves. Nothing could have prepared me for the sight of a huge, swelling wave cresting on the horizon, coming toward me with no way to stop it. And then, when that first rush hit me, I was completely overtaken and overwhelmed. I did not know how to get out from under it until it had dissipated. I realize this is melodramatic, and I was seven weeks pregnant at the time, so I'm sure that's part of it, but the anxiety was so real. I'm here to say that I survived the waves, and God has shown me a lot from that experience. One of the biggest things I've learned is that no wave goes wasted. I'm a nurse, and at the time of this recording, we are at the cresting stage of this COVID wave, at least in Ohio. I see things looming on the horizon, ready to crash. But as I think about these kinds of swelling situations, God brought me back to thinking of Him. You see, God controls the waves. There are two stories in the Bible that comes to my mind when I think of waves and rough waters. The first is in the Old Testament. God had just proven his power through the ten plagues and proven his favor by rescuing the Israelites and leading them toward his promised land. And then he led them straight to the Red Sea. Of course Israel was terrified. They had a huge sea in front of them, blocking forward motion, and they had an Egyptian army behind them chasing to overcome them and bring them back to slavery. They felt trapped and betrayed by God. So how did he respond and answer their crying out? He made some waves. Exodus 14.21 tells us that to make the famous path in the Red Sea, God sent a strong east wind. A scientific study I read did some experiments and found that it would indeed be possible if the winds were about 63 miles per hour. For reference, an average tornado is 40 to 100 miles per hour. 
So with some turbulence and a strong push from behind, God made some huge waves. Through that, he provided safe passage when there seemed to be no way. He provided rescue in abundantly miraculous ways. Through those same waves, he provided vengeance and annihilation of a past that was pursuing and threatened to overtake to drag them back to slavery. Sometimes the huge, scary waves in our lives are the times when God exhibits his amazing power, provides rescues from our own areas of bondage, destroying its ability to take us over again. Other times, God calms the waves in our lives. Mark chapter 4 describes another tempestuous moment. It was nighttime on a boat with some experienced fishermen. Even better, it was a boat that had Jesus. However, Jesus was tired and took a nap. In the middle of that nap, a storm rose up. It was so intense that those experienced fishermen were so scared they panicked and woke up Jesus asking if he even cared that they were at risk of drowning. I kind of feel like that right now, don't you? We're here riding out this scary, wavy tempest, but like those disciples, we have Jesus on our boat. What did he do when the disciples asked for his help? Verse 39 says, And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. The next thing he did was ask a question. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? I'm learning to find that faith, and that is where my hope is established. I belong to a God who either makes waves to rescue me or calms the waves that threaten to destroy me. I am safe in his hands despite the storms that surround me. And with his still, calming, loving voice, He says to my turbulent heart, peace be still, and still it becomes. Exodus 14, 13 through 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I'm Brandi Gable from The Road Home to You, a podcast offering hope and faith in Jesus to those wounded by others, stuck in addiction, or afflicted by the storms of life. After Jesus sat at the well with an outcast woman from Samaria, having shared all he knew about how she longed for something more meaningful than one failed relationship after another, she got up and went to her townspeople and shared her story. When two men were walking down the dusty road after Jesus had been crucified, they met up with a third man, who at first glance appeared not to know why they were so sad. But then the third man spoke, and he shared the stories of past generations, of prophecies being fulfilled, and soon the men realized that they were indeed speaking to the risen Christ. And they, too, went and shared their story of how they'd met Jesus. Stories are important. They are the touchstone to our past. They remind us of where we've been and where we are going. In times such as these, we hear many stories, from doctors and nurses on the front lines to the politicians working to make the right call for their states, to our own neighbors, friends, and family who are sick, or fearful of getting sick. There are stories coming out every day that illustrate both the best and the worst that humanity has to offer. 
I'm fortunate enough to have a story from my great-grandmother, who was 14 years old when the flu pandemic of 1918 happened. She had recently moved to Spokane, Washington, and had only been in school for a week, when, because of the flu, the schools were all closed down. On Thanksgiving Day, she and her aunt, along with ten other young women, went to a local play. The next day, she recalls she and the girl she sat next to the previous evening both woke up sick. Five days later, her friend had died. She recounts, Every one of those girls except my Aunt Verna had the flu, and my mother was scared to death. My mother and grandmother got flu, but my aunt stayed home and nursed all of us, and never did get it, and my grandfather never got it. Dad never got it either. Whenever the Indians came, he'd light up his pipe and smoke it, and they'd be coughing and they were dying like flies. But when they'd leave, he'd spray formaldehyde, and he thinks that's what kept him from getting it. I was in bed for ten days. The doctor said, go on a liquid diet, no solids. Stay in bed until your temperature is down for three days. My uncle nearly died of it. Christmas, we were all starting to get well, so got together, and we were a bunch of the shakiest people you've ever seen. This is a rare look into the time and experience my ancestors were living through as they faced a pandemic. I've read this accounting so many times, but not once would I have guessed that I'd live to see a pandemic also. But here we are, and we also have a story to tell. Each one of us is experiencing so much of the same thoughts and feelings, yet we're all walking through them differently. Our understanding of the world around us is unique from anyone else's. And in the midst of all of this, we are each experiencing God. What's your story? How has this time of social isolation affected you? What have you learned about yourself your priorities, your boundaries, your hopes and fears. What have you learned about your relationships, about God? In writing our stories down, not only do we leave a legacy for our descendants, but we also give ourselves a chance to reflect and process our own experiences. The very act of writing is therapeutic and calming. The other wonderful thing about stories is that they provide a memorial for us to see and remember God's faithfulness, like the Israelites as they wandered through the desert, leaving memorials of stone when God provided, the stories we share with each other about God's provision and presence stand out as beacons of hope during the darkest of days. Go, grab a notebook and a pen and start writing your story. Then share it, because I promise someone will be blessed and encouraged when you do. Be sure to check out the Road Home to You podcast at roadhometoyou.com or wherever you download podcasts. And remember, love God, love people, and pray hard. Hi, this is Meg from Letters from Home podcast. 
boy, these are crazy times we are living in, momentous times and historic. I asked my family this week, what brings them hope? First, my husband, Mike. So in a time like this with a global pandemic, there is a real need for hope. I've met people that are feeling very helpless and people that are feeling kind of hopeless. And the idea of being hopeless is a horrible empty feeling. And for me, it's really important to separate what hope is from what wishful thinking is. You know, people think, I hope I don't get the virus. Or if I do get the virus, I hope I don't get really sick and and my family gets sick or hospital. But hope in the Bible is about something that you're, you have an assurance and even a confidence, a conviction about. So I think that the pandemic is a place that doesn't change someone's hope at all. It just makes it more clear. As a matter of fact, hope in the Bible, it, it's always in the context of having to wait for something in the future. And it's about the trials associated with the current present conditions. The idea of hope in the midst of a storm says, I have something bigger than this storm that I'm anchored to talks about having an anchor within the veil, the Bible does, the veil being that place of God's presence. And so hope is something that brings you through really tough times. In Romans, it talks about a process that goes from suffering, which produces endurance, which produces character, which produces hope. And it says specifically, that hope does not make ashamed. So I think at times like this, hope is the best thing. Next, Eden. She's 22 and is home from nursing school. In this season, what I've learned about hope is that no matter what trial you're going through, you have to have some type of anchor that gets you through it. And in this season, that anchor got tested for me with kind of the storms of social distancing and trying to do class online when you're a senior and don't want to do anything and you just want to go to work. But one thing that really encouraged this is looking at how temporary this is and how we have a sure hope in God coming to right all wrongs for the new Eden, new heaven and earth to be made. And specifically, a quote by C.S. Lewis encouraged me. He shares about that God as the director, when he walks on the stage and the play is over, when you see the whole natural universe melting away like a dream and something else, something never that's entered your head to conceive comes crashing in, something so beautiful to some of us and so terrible to others that none of us will have any choice left. Now today is this moment, is our chance to choose the right side. God is holding back to give us that chance. It will not last forever. We must take it or leave it. If you think about life as a stage and when God comes on as the director at the end, that's the end of the play, that this world will be over and then the rest is a celebration after. It puts in perspective how the little mess-ups, the little things that bug you or if you feel down or depressed, that there is something afterwards and this is only temporary. And then you get that endurance to get through those trials. And that's how I find hope. And third, Jordan. He's 16 and he just got back from his shift at the grocery store. 
I, I found a verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I was reading a different version of this where it says these three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. So there are two encouraging things that I find in this verse. The first encouraging thing is that the hope that we have right now in this hard time will last forever. And this is the same hope that we're going to have when we come to even more difficult times. So if we can find hope now, then we'll always be with us. And the other is that if we can find the love of the Lord and the love of others, then we will be able to help produce hope. Because that's that's really why love is the greatest, because it produces faith and hope. If you're struggling, please reach out on our website. We'd be glad to help in any way we can. Lettersfromhomepodcast.com God bless you all. Hello, everyone. My name is Tara K. Ross, and I co-host the Hope Pros Podcast along with Rebecca Black. Over at the Hope Pros Podcast, we are big fans of books. To be more specific, we love stories that are filled with hope-filled prose, stories that meet someone within their fear, grief, or confusion, and offer hope, empathy, and healing. I myself have personally seen how well-crafted words can transform a person's life. I've also seen through my work as an author and school-based speech-language pathologist how shared reading can bring people together in a way that is God-inspired and so nurturing to the spirit. To support the CPA HOPE collaboration, we wanted to offer our communities recommendations for hope-filled stories from across ages and genres that can be enjoyed as a family or on your own. These selections come from our own libraries and those of our listeners. It was next to impossible to narrow down to just three, but we only have five minutes. So we're going to share our top three picks for preschoolers, school age, and young adults during this unsettling and confusing time. We'll finally share three of our favorite picks to enjoy and find peace with, even as an adult. So our top three picks for preschoolers were Max Lucado's You Are Special, the Garden, the Curtain, and the Cross by Carl Lafferton, and Last Stop on Market Street by Matt De La Pena. Our three hope-filled picks for school-age kiddos were A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Langle, The Secret Garden by Frances Hodgson Burnett, and Bridge to Terabithia by Catherine Patterson. And these are great read-alouds as a family. Our three hope-filled picks for young adults, and this is our sweet spot because this is primarily what we do on the Hope Pros podcast. I love The Giver by Lois Lowry. We enjoyed so much the story behind Stephanie Morell's Within These Lines. It was also recommended by someone in our community. And then another book that we think would just bring so much hope right now is 100 Days of Sunlight by Abby Emmons. So for adults, as well as for young adults, and for great read-alouds, we have a couple of selections that we think might work for you to help feel inspired and hopeful during this time, as well as to share as a family. I just finished reading All Manner of Things by Susie Finkbeiner, and this was such a hope-filled story, which would be a great one for you to just read on your own. All the Light We Cannot See 
by Anthony Doerr is an amazing novel as well and brings a lot of hope into um, a very dark situation. A great family book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the classic beginning novel by C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, and then another one that could be great to read with your teenagers is Nadine Brandis's Out of Time series. There are so many other books that we could recommend, but we're trying to be good for time here. Remember, reading is a perfect way to quiet your mind for a while, to bring you back to truths that are eternal and unchanging. And reading does not have interruptions or commercial breaks with headlines. You can turtle away from the world for a while, and in most of these cases, order the ebook or pick it up virtually from your library without needing to leave your house. We are praying that even within our isolation, through reading timeless stories, we will be reminded of our connected humanity. If you want to hear more about hope-filled YA books and listen in as we chat with authors who write them, subscribe to the Hope Pros podcast on your favorite podcast player. And with that, we hope that we've inspired sparks for your creative journey. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this special bonus episode through the Hope Collaboration and the Christian Podcast Association. We will have further information regarding the sample podcasts that we had previewed on this episode in our show notes over at hopepros.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope that this special podcast continues to spark creative moments in your own lives.